Hey everyone, and welcome to the More to Life Real Estate Investing Podcast. I'm your host, and my name is Adrian Pinozo. I'm a former police detective of 21 years turned real estate entrepreneur. Each episode, we bring to you an incredible guest who's got undeniable experience in the real estate investing world to help you get more to life through the power of real estate investing. So if you enjoy listening to our podcast and our show, please, please don't forget to subscribe, rate and review our podcast as it helps small podcasts like ours continue to provide our audience with some incredible value and knowledge. So now let's get right into our next episode. Hey everyone, it's Adrian Pinozo here with the More to Life Real Estate Investing Podcast, where we help you get more to life through the power of real estate investing. Crazy excited here, guys. We are doing a episode number two for a very good friend of mine and a police officer. Uh, if you guys remember Dave Knight, he first uh, was on our podcast episode number three. So one of our first guests that uh, came on when we first launched the More to Life podcast. And um, I'll give you a quick, quick uh, rundown of Dave Knight. Um, Dave, like I mentioned, is a police officer uh, in the GTA. He's been a police officer for what now, Dave? 12 years, 11 years? Yeah, I'm in my 11th now. 11th year. Um, Dave, obviously, is a real estate investor as well. Um Dave uh, has um, done numerous flips here in the GTA. Uh, he obviously also owns some uh, buy and hold real estate as well. And um, overall, wealth of knowledge here in the GTA and what he's accomplished while working as a police officer full time. And he still has that career uh, going on as well at the moment. Um, but the reason I wanted to bring Dave back is Dave has found um, a new area to invest in that obviously is very fruitful as well. And he's now starting to invest in the U.S. of A. And I think it's actually really intriguing for me. And I've actually sent Dave a bunch of messages and stuff saying, hey, I'm interested. I'm, I'm definitely interested to uh, learn more about investing in the U.S. and whatnot. Uh, but obviously, Dave is well underway. I'll give you a little hint. We're also going to get into Dave's actually into development now in the USA. And again, he lives here in the GTA in Canada, and he's developing properties in the USA. So, Dave, welcome back to the More to Life. How are you today, pal? I'm good, man. Thanks for having me back on. It's great to reconnect here. So, yeah. And I, for the listeners, now that you're getting more to life because of your choices, you've invested in real estate. Where are you right now? Yeah, so I was just about to say, I'm as I'm literally here talking to you, I'm looking out the window to uh, you know the lake. I'm up at the cottage, so enjoying a, a week up here with some family, and uh, actually have some more family coming in this afternoon. So uh, you know, got to filter out that liver for this weekend and we will have a good, uh, a good weekend and enjoy ourselves here as the weather's, you know, obviously nice and warm. Awesome. So one or one or two cocktails probably in the works for this weekend. 
Totally. Actually, I was just saying you off air. I look a little swollen. I think I've had too many before this interview. So we're it's bright and early here this morning. So we're good to go. Awesome. Yeah. Well, why don't we get right into it, Dave? Um, obviously, like I mentioned, uh, you're investing in the U.S. now, so on and so forth. How did you? How did this all start with investing in the U.S.? Considering I was actually a real estate agent for a couple of deals here a couple of years back in. You know, I know everything you're doing here in Canada, in the GTA, right. you're transitioning over there. Tell us how this all started and what it's all about. Yeah. So, I mean, we can go back a little bit further. So I'm actually a dual citizen. So my, my mom's from the U.S. She's a California wow. girl. And so, I mean, I have that tie already down into the U.S. So I've always loved you know, the warmer weather and the California lifestyle that, you know, I always heard about growing up and, you know, just visiting places throughout the U S that are, you know, warmer during our winter season. So, I mean, that, that's definitely more of the draw of just realizing that, Hey, you know, I know some guys down there, we can get into, you know, networking and meeting people, but it's just realizing that there's some opportunities down in some nice areas that you can invest in and, you know, even while you're living up here in Canada. So, uh, you know, you start learning about short-term rentals, which is, again, we'll talk about. But uh, I think just the idea that you can have uh, an investment property that does make you income and create income for you, but also you can go visit time to time. So that was kind of the draw for me is just having a place to invest in, but also visit to as well. Right. So where specifically do you invest in the U.S. now? So right now we just have our first uh, down in Arizona, uh, it's just in Scottsdale. So I don't know if you're familiar with Scottsdale, but very popular, you know, place, whether it be conferences, uh, golf, uh, you know, visiting there, just it's a warm climate, very popular attraction there. Lots of baseball and uh, spring, spring camps and all that stuff. So golf too. tons of golf. Yeah. So many, so much yeah. golf. Again, another reason why I love it there. And I actually... I was open to a lot of areas in, in the U.S. I really like Florida, so we're focused in Florida and Arizona specifically right now. Um, I'm literally just talking to a couple of wholesalers and agents down in Florida. But in the meantime, right now, we're focused in, and our first deal is in Scottsdale. So so that that's where we're focused. Nice. Mm-hmm. So Scottsdale, all right. Um, tell me, what did... What are you doing in Scottsdale? Like, what do you, what did you buy? What are you building? Sure. Sure. So it's a single family residence. Um, I know up here in, you know, Hamilton, I'm more focused on majority is uh, multifamily. But uh, so it's a single family home. I found it off market through a wholesaler and obviously using that kind of burn a little bit of construction background, comfortable with going down and doing a value add. So uh, this specific property, I actually purchased it and there were some drawings attached to the property already that were submitted. So I was able to kind of fast track that a little bit and have some drawings presented to me off market deal, uh, needed some work no matter what you did to it. So purchased it undervalued and then we added about a thousand eight hundred to a thousand square feet onto it to turn it into a very small shacky place in a great location by the way we're literally about five minute drive south of old town which is kind of the place that you want to be so anywhere you're within five ten minutes of you're good to go so i'm in a great spot 
and um and yeah so we're turning that three bed uh one bath into a four bed two bath with a pool and a hot tub and a putting green and a backyard you know barbecue kind of a no i wouldn't call it a luxe airbnb but a definitely above average um you know quality to stand out awesome yeah so where do you want to go from there <laughs> yeah no so you're a police officer here in the gta yeah mom's from the u.s mm-hmm. you end up finding falling in love with scottsdale arizona obviously yes. uh, a place you can like you mentioned you can visit and like what goes through your mind because you know there's always that um what's that word i'm looking for people are sit on the fence forever and mm-hmm. never take action. Right. So here you are. You've never done this before in the U.S., I take it. Is that right? Yeah, this is our first, first go. So where did you get the courage, the knowledge to say, hey, this makes sense. Like, where's your mindset? This makes sense. We can do this. Obviously, there's contractors down there working on your mm-hmm. place. You're mm-hmm. doing a, a, a big addition, it sounds like, on your place. Uh, yeah. Like, how does that all unfold mindset wise to overcome that and take action? Yeah. So mindset wise, it was a, obviously a bit of a transition. Um, you know, I think, you know, it wasn't like an overnight or we went on some weekend thing and we decided just to go all in that. That's just not me. Um, I'm a very conservative and to be honest, slow moving animal sometimes. So um, I, you know, I, I did my research, I networked, I met with people, I met with contractors, I met with other people already doing it, you know, in Florida and in, um, in Arizona and over probably, I'd say about 12 months or so of going to a couple conferences and education, uh, and meeting people and throughout my network of, you know, even just my own podcast, meeting people through there. Hey, come on down, check out what we're doing. Like those are sometimes the benefits of, you know, growing your network. Right. So I, Aaron and I would go down and we checked out the area. We checked out all areas and we decided to, okay, we really like this location here. And we found that our network of other investors that are like way ahead of what we're doing are already like literally living there full time. And this is what they do. So we're just learning from them. And I found more comfortable with the economic side of things, the taxes where the, you know, a red state versus a blue state, um, you know, very business friendly. Um, all those things kind of lined up for what we liked and what we wanted to do. And the numbers just made sense at the end of the day. So um, we, we went, you know, all in on this one. And because of the network that we've created, it's not hands on. Like you said, I'm up here, I'm working full time. So it's meeting those contractors, you know, putting my trust in people who already have an experience and just kind of getting my numbers dialed in and moving forward. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. I kudos to you, man, because I know most people, uh, most people. (laughs) Well, to be honest, to be honest, it is a lot. Like, I mean, if, if this was my first investment property, you know, there's no way me personally, I wouldn't have, you know, the guts to just, you know, go across border and, you know, a four hour, three hour flight away, start doing my thing down there without any good ties. So I, I built some friendships, not just contacts. So that helped. Um, and then, you know, obviously with stuff that I've been doing here in Ontario, you know, having a little bit of background here and some confidence behind me that helped me make that decision of moving forward. 
So, you know, it just when you when you start talking to people and they're doing it and it's working for them and it's not just, oh, I just started this. No, we've been doing this for years and check out our returns, check out what the opportunities are. And like the total growth in Arizona is what I'm really excited about. There's a lot of population growth. I like, you know, the politics a little bit more. Um, they're very business friendly. Uh, the economic growth that's happening down there. Um, the businesses, like I said, and the attractions, um, you know it just it all just made sense to us so amazing yeah, yeah awesome well i know for sure it's on everybody's mind and it's on my mind too to be honest with you let's talk about the financing sure qualifying financing everything to yep. do with the financing piece of investing mm-hmm. down in the u.s uh where you are right. um how does that look how does that work so Again, a learning process for for us. And, you know, after this project, we're taking on partners and we're doing, you know, the investor approach. And, you know, it's it's been a learning curve. So I'm happy to share what I've learned at this point. And, you know, it people will realize this as they start making this journey as well. But so number one is financing you're asking about. So Canadian banks do some Canadian banks do offer cross border investing. Okay, so for example, TD, I know RBC, they got some great programs. So you already, they will recognize, um, obviously, even though you're investing in the US, you know, being in Canada, dealing with a Canadian bank who deals with uh, cross border investing, um, they will look at your credit and they will give you uh, a mortgage based on whatever it is that you can afford. There are some limitations. So one of the limitations that I learned along the way was uh, RBC specifically. Um, is they'll max you out. If you have more than three mortgages, then you're no longer um, applicable to their program. So if you have under three mortgages, then it's a great avenue to go. So it can be a secondary um, home or it can be an investment. So depending on what you know category that you're in, um, depends on the down payment and depends on the finance and the interest rate. Okay. So since unfortunately I was uh, you know past that three three mortgage limit i had to turn to alternatives which was um asset-based lending so this is like i mean commercial re- kind of uh is a little more uh f- you'd be more familiar with it as like commercial lending well, that's yeah. essentially what what it is but on residential properties which we don't really have up here so they'll literally look at a, a property and say okay does it make sense it needs to be an income property you can't use asset-based lending on your primary residence so Obviously, for short-term rentals, um, multifamily, et cetera, that's going to work. So we've geared towards and obviously focused on and made relationships with certain lenders for asset-based lending. So they don't look at your credit. They just look at the, the property and the deal itself. So mm-hmm. essentially, that's, 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 how we're, that's how we're approaching, asset-based lending. Best, mm-hmm. thing, best thing since sliced bread. Wow. Wow. <laughs> yeah. So you could have – you could have – 20 mortgages. Yep. Absolutely. Still yep. Deal with you. There's no limitations. Now there are different lenders are, have different rules and policies, etc. Okay. So for, for the one, there's a couple that we were talking with and they needed to have at least one or two rental properties. Or if you're doing a flip, you need to have X amount of flips uh, experience because that will determine, you know, obviously your risk you know, the risk that they're bringing on because of your experience or lack of experience. Right. So because I had some um, investing experience and clear, clearly some flipping experience that helped me get a good rate. 
Now, there's obviously people who have done 30, 40, 50 flips, which is obviously more than what I have done. So they're getting a little bit better rate than I am, but it's still a pretty um, competitive rate. So, uh, but yeah, so I'm bringing it in, as long as you can bring down that, that down payment and the cash flow of market rents makes sense, you're good to go. Hmm. So the lender, is the lender a Canadian lender here? No. So this is where... Um, there's lots of, I don't want to get in the weeds too much because it can be, yeah, yeah, kinda, I get it. yeah. but uh, essentially in order to um, get approved by these asset-based lenders, you're going to need uh, an American entity. So you're going to need to open up a corporation. Now there's different rules within that. Some, some lenders want six months of, of activity in order right. to lend to you. Some people just, yep, no problem. We like the deal. Uh, you can open up a corp. So it, you, I can't do this lending in my personal name, even though they, it reflects to me on what my experience may be, but um, the where you're lending the money needs to be in, in a corporation of some sort or an entity. Right. So I opened up an American corporation and then all my, my investments and everything down there is going to go through that corp. Oh. Yeah. So Very just a, a definite tip is, you know, obviously anyway, if you're listening to this podcast, clearly you're not one to just, running without looking both ways across the street. But yeah. uh, number one advice I could say is talk to your CPA, talk to a cross-border specialist and talk to a cross-border um, like lawyer. Um, my CPA was a cross-border specialist. So he, you know, my situation specifically, whether it be due to previous owned property, um, previous corporations already opened, uh, my dual citizenship, like all those factors come into play of what it is and how we set ourselves up. So it's not a one size fits all. So if you hear that, you know, I'm talking about setting up a C corp down in the U S that doesn't mean that that's the route that you should go. You know, there's a lot of LLC names being thrown around or we're going to open up an LLC. Well, that's a definite no, no for a Canadian because you can get double taxed. Um, so, you know, I'm not a financial, I'm not, I'm not an accountant, yeah. so I'm not giving any advice here, but just, um, just something that I have been told. Right. So, wow. So your experience then working with asset lender compared to obviously you have a lot of experience working with lenders here in Canada. How does it compare? Is it much easier? Is it less hoops to jump through compared to Canada? Or is it like it was a nightmare and it took 10 years off your life? No, definitely not. Um, I will say that dealing with um, asset-based lenders, you're the guy that's providing all the information, right? Where I did find, for example, up here, we deal with mortgage brokers, or I do specifically, where there's a lot of that brokerage conversation, document uh, requesting, and that sort of you know world going on that necessarily has been off my plate for some time, right? So there is a bit of more communication that needs to happen because you're the one kind of doing it. And obviously your mortgage broker is going to request documents and what you need, but there's that middleman that's kind of lost. So that would be the only little bit different, I guess, pace would be, but at the, at, at, at the flip side of that, um, I mean, down in the U S it is way more, they almost want you they're, they're asking you to borrow dollars versus like here in Canada. I feel like you tell me why I should give you these dollars. Right. You know, like it's a little bit of different vibe, I feel. And I'm, I mean, every bank does their due diligence, but um, there's just a little bit less red tape down there. 
And it's a little bit more of an entrepreneurial vibe, I feel like they want you to succeed. They want you to grow. So how can we help you versus um, a little bit more red tape up here, I find. Mm. Yeah. Nice. Nice. Yeah. Cool. All right. Let's segue into um, the rental market down there. Because for people that are listening that obviously at the end of the show, we're going to give out all your contact information and stuff because I'm quite confident you're going to get some calls here and people are going to want to learn some more about everything you got going on down there and jump on the bandwagon, so to speak, and potentially even joint venture with you. But uh, let's talk. It's obviously probably a very uh, interesting thing. Tell me about the, the market down there. Like, what do you expect? What's your average? If, if I were actually, let me pose a question this way. So your, your Airbnb is done. You said it's going to be a three-bedroom, two-bath, five minutes away from this very, very attractive part of town, so to speak. What are you, what are you projecting your monthly cash flow to be? So, so, so give or take. Yeah. So what we're doing down there is going to be a four-bedroom, two-bath, and it's going to be a 2,000-square-foot uh, property or bungalow, I should say, you know, yeah. with everything that you would want in a backyard and more, right? Um, and we're not approaching it as like a single family rental. So, you know, your long-term rents down there surprisingly are, are pretty high considering, um, because of the area that it's in now I've been told single family, single family would probably be between four, five, or even 6,000, uh, a month in, in, in single family income, depending on the quality. Mm -hmm. So, but as far as uh, short-term rental is where we do our analysis and it's a completely different ball game. So on average, we're expecting, I mean, from cash flow wise, it can, so let's talk gross. So gross income on that property where I did my numbers very, very conservative, which is you know what I always do. And, you know, and I was about the 120 to 140 gross of income. Now I have a comp that I literally just looked last week and I posted on my story or a few days ago anyway. And that exact comp, which has one less bedroom and not as a nice backyard as we're going to have just broke the 200 K mark for 360. I think there were 355 days. So not quite a year and they're at a 207,000 gross income. So if you start doing that, sorry, running it as an Airbnb, Running it as an Airbnb short-term rental, correct? Okay, yes. wow. So those are massive numbers. And so as far as cash flow, and there's a lot of variables inside uh, a short-term rental that people may not be aware of. You know, you got your cleaning fees, you got your management fees, you know, you have your overhead costs, right? You have yeah. your turnover and expenses. So that's not 200,000 a year in your pocket, obviously. That's right. gross, right? Yeah. So but but on average, we're expecting about 25 to 3,000 um cash flow a month. Very nice. And yeah. you're probably going to leave a week or two, a few weeks yeah. to go down and enjoy it yourself, right? Right. And those, those are my conservative numbers. Like my conservative numbers are around 2000 to 2,500, to be honest with you. And that includes a 30% vacancy. Okay. So that's 30% vacancy. Now the numbers that I'm looking at for comps, and this is live data that you can literally look at all Airbnbs. It's called air DNA. That's one, one outlet that I looked. Um, there's another one called mash visor and there's a few others, but um, basically that's live data. So, you know, 
exactly what, how much they're making only through those two platforms. There's other things that we could talk about. Um, there's other like insurance routes, there's Facebook groups, yeah. there's uh, traveling nurses and doctors and all that area there that aren't captured on some of these data. But it looks like this was their, their main go and they're 91% occupied. Okay. So with our numbers, very, very conservative. And we're looking at least two to 2,500 uh, at a 30% vacancy. So, so that's like very, very conservative. So probably more, right? Wow. Good for you. Yeah. And that's American dollars, right? Obviously. And that's all American dollars. Yes. Yeah. So um, if you have to do it again, mm -hmm. rewind now, you, you've obviously gained some experience in this process with your first uh, opportunity there in Scottsdale. If you have to do it again, um, would you do it the same way? Have you learned anything throughout this process that you would change, let's say for, for some of our listeners that yeah. would be thinking, oh, okay, I would do this different. Or here's another question. I'm going to give you two questions in one. Okay. <laughs> would you purchase the same kind of property now and I know you're still not finished this one, but if you could right. rewind the tape, would you say, oh, I wouldn't have done that. I would have probably just bought a turnkey condo. Right. So um, what did so you there's... learn? Would you do different? And would you buy the same kind of property again? I, I'm i more favorable to a little, any type of bird that I can do on a property and get my money back. I, I mean, it's a better return on my investment. Um, there are some pros and cons of that, depending on the lending situation and the environment of your, your lender. Um, however, there's nothing wrong with buying a turnkey property because there's pros and cons there. You can put 25% down, let's call it, um, on a property and, you know, be ready to go within a month, right? So this type of project that I'm doing, it's much larger. It's probably taking about eight months, right? So, I mean, there are there is some money lost. However, it doesn't make up for the amount that I can have as little down as possible on the property. So my return on investment is higher. So, for example, if I this project here, let's call it, it should be appraised at around 1.2, 1.1. Um, you know, that's a lot of money down, right? So that's, even if it was a million dollars, that's two hundred thousand dollars down. I forget what, what would that be. Uh, say two hundred forty thousand. For 1.2, 20%, 25% down or yeah. whatever, um, you know, we're going to have about 100 less into the property after we do our burr. So we'll probably have about 150,000 left in, um, not including your furniture and everything. So it'll just be, you, you'll probably save about 100K. And if I can do that and save money at the same time and dial in my process along the way, I'll do that all day long. Amazing. Well, you don't have to preach to me about the burr because it's <laughs> well, you know all about that. Absolutely. I love the burr uh, strategy. It, it works well for, or it has worked well for us, uh, mm -hmm. you know, for the last several years here in the GTA. So yeah, amazing, mm -hmm. uh, amazing accomplishments, man. Like that, that's coming from a man who still works full time. And for <laughs> everybody out there who still thinks I don't have the time to do this. I don't know how to do this. I, I'm just too busy or this or that. Look at Dave, yeah. like full-time, still working, full-time, pretty much a full-time investor. Cause all I, I know if you're not at the cottage and you're not on shift, you're looking for your next deal and you know, you're working stuff, whether it's in Scottsdale here. So anybody that makes excuses, um, yeah, I, I don't really have time for that in comparison to what 
you've accomplished. So that's amazing. Mm -hmm. Dave, um, we're getting to the end of the show. It's been a 30 minutes of nonstop information sharing that you put put forward. And I asked this, and I know I asked you on episode number three, but I'm going to ask you again, because maybe it's changed in the last year since we've interviewed you the first time. Mm -hmm. When you picture more to life, Dave, what does Dave see when he pictures more to life? More of what I'm doing right now. I'm, I can still, I still love doing this stuff, but looking out the windows, I'm talking to you at the cottage, you know, that's, that's, that's what I'm all about. Uh, I'm, I'm not one to sit back and do nothing. I'm always going to be working towards something, but uh, the mobility, the freedom, uh, that's, that's what I chase the, the, the financial freedom. And I don't really like that word, but it's just more of, you know, the ability to have your passive income, uh, pass your active income. That's the ultimate goal right there. Absolutely. And I, I mimic exactly what you just said. Um, have financial freedom, time freedom mm -hmm. and geographical freedom big time yeah right you could be in scottsdale at your airbnb and have that geographical freedom like that yep. which is uh, all of us i think real estate investors all of us most of us are in search of the same thing so i couldn't agree yeah. more i mean that's one that's one thing i love about these short-term rentals and this isn't anything new like i'm not I, it's not like i created this it's been going for many years except it's just a lot of us are just finally getting to that point where because of the environment that we're in now with high interest rates and the entry prices are so high people are looking for alternatives and these short-term rental alternatives are such a great way to go where maybe before single families wouldn't have been able to support it right so you know you can you can if you can buy a property in a place that you like to visit it doesn't you can call it vacation rental or whatever you want but um you know that that creates like that freedom instantly right now, you know, versus 10 years from now. So it's a great avenue to learn about. And I encourage people to reach out to me if they, if they want to learn more. Well, that's, I was going to wrap up this show by uh, you. Why don't you tell everybody, how do they get a hold of Dave Knight? What, if they want to pick your brain and potentially yeah. join venture with you and, and get into a conversation. Yeah, yeah sure. Thanks for that. Um, well, first off, I mean, if people want to learn more, just go to 911wealthnetwork.com forward slash Arizona. So that's actually going to be an opt-in. We're going to be doing a free webinar and information session on there. And I will email you out uh, any information I can. Or if you want to reach out to me directly, uh, dave at 911wealthnetwork.com. And you can just email me there if you have any uh, passive or uh, investment um, inquiries there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah, and for those of you who don't know, and I, I forgot to mention it when we started the show today, um, Dave also runs a podcast, like myself, um, that he's been, how long has yours been going on for now? Uh, like three or four years, three years now, I think, yeah. And um, what's, uh, how do they tune into your podcast if they want to start listening to it and whatnot? Yeah, it's geared towards anyone, but I try and focus and I'm really talking to my own community of first responders, but it's a first responders wealth network, uh, real estate investing podcast. So you can go on there and just uh, search that out and we'll pop up. Awesome. Yeah. Well, Dave, best of luck to you and your continued success, not only here, but uh, out in the U.S. A uh, ton of knowledge. And guys, uh, if you're listening again, uh, reach out to Dave. Great guy, easy to talk to, very down to earth, 
can give you all the meat and potatoes about it. And who knows, maybe you got, maybe you hit it off and uh, you do a, a JV with Dave down in the US. And I'm sure there's listeners out there that have probably thought about it and or maybe they're in the process of doing some homework themselves and connect with Dave. I can't yep. say it enough. So Dave, thanks again for being on the show. Continued success for you and your family and your bride to be. <laughs> Thank and, you very much. Uh, we'll chat soon. All right. Thanks, man. Appreciate you having me on. Thanks.